First Lady is not the only one making her Wall Street debut today. The long-awaited crypto platform Backed launches today, offering the first physically delivered Bitcoin futures contract ever traded on a federally regulated exchange. Wow, that was a mouthful. Joining me is Adam White, the Chief Operating Officer of Backed. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Just explain in English what this means. <laughs> what this means, this is a big day, we think, not just for Backed and for the Intercontinental Exchange, but for the whole space, because right. for the first time ever, you have an end-to-end -end regulated marketplace for the price discovery of Bitcoin. Welcome back to another Crypto Daily 3 at 3. All right, guys, so what is going on? It is Tuesday, September 24th, uh, and today we're going to be looking at, first, the launch of Backed. Uh, it has uh, come out of the gates, whether thundering or um, not so much is kind of what we'll be talking about. Second, we're going to look at the end of Kick Messenger and uh, the shift of their focus over to Kin and what it all means. And third, we're going to talk about, um, do a quick recap of the SEC's testimony in front of Congress today. Uh, see if we can pull out some of the uh, interesting bits that related to crypto. But let's start with Backed. So um, Backed, for those of you who don't know is uh, they're offering the first physically settled futures contracts. You just heard Adam White, their COO, uh, who was formerly at Coinbase, um, talk about why it's a significant move and what it means uh, and get into kind of the idea of, of physically delivered future, which basically requires uh, holding the underlying asset versus cash settled futures, which uh, never have to, there never has to actually be a purchase of Bitcoin. It's all just kind of betting on the price. Um, so in the lead up to this launch, a lot of people really excited, obviously. They've been excited since last year around this time when the, the announcement was made. And uh, so you have here Dan Moorhead, who's uh, one of the largest early investors in BACT. This is Pantera Capital. And they wrote a letter um, kind of talking about what was so powerful about it to them. So they, they go through actually the history of buying Bitcoin and um, just how scary it's been for institutions effectively uh, to have to trade with these weird institutions or weird uh, exchanges online, rather. Uh, and they gets into this idea of what's so different about physically settled futures. So that's all kind of the excitement. But um, coming right out of the gate, it has not necessarily been uh, a huge um, explosion of activity, right? So you have here, Coindesk says, uh, update. It took almost 18 hours after launch for the first daily Bitcoin contract trade to show up on backed. Monthly contract volume so far totals 66 Bitcoin. So not huge. You have uh, Alex Kruger who says, backed, first day volumes, <clears throat> excuse me, equivalent of 71 Bitcoin plus one Bitcoin. CME, uh, first day volumes equivalent of 5,298 Bitcoin. Uh, so this was uh, from when the CME launched this stuff. Uh, so obviously a huge difference there. And so what's going on? Is it that people aren't actually interested in physically settled futures and uh, the CME sort of cash settled futures are more uh, aligned with what those investors already want? Does that simply reflect the state of the market when, when the CME launched um, last year, earlier in the year comparatively? Uh, and Basically, regardless of what the answer is, you saw a huge amount of memeing right away, right? So you see uh, backed institutional investors entering Bitcoin, expectation versus reality. Um, you have uh, this this meme, which was flying around everywhere, which is the John Travolta confused meme from Pulp Fiction in an empty warehouse with backed on the side. Um, you had people who were more uh, willing to proffer their explanations. So Bryce Weiner here says basically that uh, effectively argues that 
um, there's no way that the average uh, day trader is going to actually care about this. Uh, that the the difference between the CME uh, product is simply that you get the thing at the end, uh, but that it also trades at a premium. And if your whole idea is just to kind of short it or make bets on it, you don't care, right? So you have all of these uh, type of folks who are making arguments. And going back to Alex Kruger for a second, so. Um, uh, Alex makes a couple interesting points. So he says, in finance, 98% of futures are not physically settled as traders do not want to take delivery, even for physically settled contracts. Comparing back to the CME is perfectly fine, particularly so with Back's monthly contract. But then he says, and I think this is interesting, was backed overhyped debatable? Argument for no. Backed gives institutions a venue to hold and trade physical Bitcoin. It's a door. It's now open. Institutions will trickle in. Argument for yes. Market wants to see institutions walk through the door. Volume looks like a flop. So he's not uh, committing himself to one side or another. He kind of shows that it, it could be either way. Um, but there were a lot of folks who were willing to kind of step up and say that, no, this wasn't a flop. And in fact, to the extent that you believed that there was going to be some immediate pop, that was kind of on you, right? So uh, Bitcoin Tina, Tina standing for there is no alternative, um, which is a great handle. I have heard and read so much moronic commentary regarding BACT that I just had to compose a thread about it. Is BACT hugely bullish for Bitcoin? Absolutely. Was BACT going to start doing huge business in Bitcoin on day one? Never. Uh, and then he gets into why, um, basically arguing that it's a different type of animal and that traders know how to trade price. They've been doing it for years. That's different. Uh, it's basically physical settlement of a brand new asset on Wall Street. Um, you saw this kind of argument from a number of different people. So uh, Luke Martin, venture coinist, says BACT does not equal a Binance IEO. BACT allows for a few things, but none of them pi require piling on at launch. Uh, he talks about what it enables. More robust BTC borrowing and lending markets to form, legitimates the asset, ease manipulation concerns or ease price manipulations concern, oracle risk, basis risk, and potentially disrupt some of the over-the-counter market functions. Uh, and then Suzu, I think really, um, you know, kind of pinned down this side of the argument perfectly. He said, back to a likely first a trickle and then a flood. The reality is that most regulated futures contracts get low adoption on day one simply because not all futures brokers are ready to clear it. Many people want to wait and see. The tickers are not even populated on risk systems, etc. So uh, why is it interesting? Uh, on the one hand, BACT represents this huge new set of opportunities. Uh, you know, it's backed literally by one of the biggest, uh, you know, exchange companies in the world, the company ICE that owns the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, it has, it brings with it a huge pedigree in that regard. It is uh, enabling a custody solution that is, you know, hugely institutional investor grade. Um, and it actually is physically settled, which potentially has impact on the way that, uh, that it creates demand for real actual Bitcoin. Um, so there's all of these exciting new things. At the same time, the lack of volume is concerning, right? It's not that encouraging, no matter what, even if you believe that it's a, a long-term likely play. So my take is that um, I actually didn't see and don't really see this as a move the goalpost type of a moment. I think there's plenty of those to go around when it comes to launches, but I think that in reality, um, you know, when BACT was announced last fall, that was like, we were really in the depths of the bear market. We hadn't gotten to the complete bottom, but we were hungry for anything that was positive news. Uh, we were still coming off the sort of like uh, cycle of 2017, 2018, where the announcement of an announcement of a partnership of an announcement or whatever could make the price you know, scream, right? It was a, a highly irrational market in some ways. And so we were looking for news to be excited about and backed with the pedigree of the company involved and the sort of seeming um, uh, 
uh, entree to Wall Street that it provided was kind of tailor-made to get that hype cycle moving. However, within that, even within that, I should say, I didn't see anyone who was like the second backed launches, it's going to create a huge price pop, right? I didn't see anyone who was saying like, this is what we're, this is what we're waiting for. Everyone who was kind of looking at it rationally saw it as a, uh, an important infrastructure, um, uh, augmentation for the entire space and that it was likely to have long-term positive and significant impacts by creating new market options. Um, to me, there's no part of this uh, of this launch that suggests that that's not still the case. So, uh, so my take is that we basically shouldn't, to the extent that we're putting stock in what the first day volumes are, um, we should do less of that. I think that this is a uh, medium to long-term play. I think that it uh, creates a new force in the market. Um, let's come back to it in a couple months. Let's see what's happening. I mean, I think it's certainly, um, you can say for sure that we didn't get uh, that you know, if there had been a huge flood, it would have been encouraging and really exciting. But I don't think that the lack of that um, mitigates just how uh, how much long term potential this has for the industry. Um, speaking of long term potential and the lack thereof, let's go to number two. So uh, news broke yesterday. This is. Uh, Udi, who's, who tweeted out uh, Mortheimer, he says, news just broke in Israel that Kick slash Kin Foundation fired its 70 employee, employees who were building the Kin blockchain in Tel Aviv. Kick raised $100 million in ICO. Article also cites rumors that Kick, the instant messenger, might be shut down soon as well. So this is just a huge, uh, huge, um, uh, you know, bit of news that started to come in. And... Um, <clears throat> over the course of the day, it just started to get weirder and weirder and weirder. Uh, so uh, basically, uh, Coindesk published an article saying that um, they had received drunk text messages from Ted Livingston, the CEO of Kick, saying that he was quitting and that he wasn't willing to go to jail for this and that it was over and all this sort of stuff. Uh, and uh, and so that got everyone flapping, right? Uh, and of course, uh, the, the, the truth was always uh, a little bit murky. Um, so first of all, uh, that Coindesk article ended up being retracted wholly and fully, right? So Pete Rizzo, the CEO of Coindesk, or the editor-in-chief, excuse me, of Coindesk, uh, said it was the first time in the seven years that he's been there that they retracted a story unconditionally and wholly, right? So basically, they fell victim to a Telegram hoax, uh, which someone was just kind of trying to spread misinformation. Um, so that wasn't the case. However, somehow, because all of the focus has been on this crazy drunk texting story, it's kind of buried the lead that... Um, Kick is shutting down, uh, and theoretically, it's to go all in on Kin, right? So Ted Livingston uh, tweets, and this is real Ted Livingston. You got that little blue check mark to confirm it. We are all in on Kin. Going forward, we'll be singularly focused on one thing: converting millions of Kin users into millions, uh, millions of Kick users. I think into millions of Kin buyers. Um, and uh, and so they're basically shutting going from 100 people who are working on the Kick Messenger app and the Kin uh, cryptocurrency to just 19 people uh, who are focused entirely on Kin. So uh, the, the key point here is that Kick is done. Kick is out from uh, you know glory days of having more than 100 million users um, to debt is basically, that's what the state of Kick is. Uh, now you have, um, let's talk about the spin on this, right? So 
the spin from Kick was 100% that they had to do this to keep resources to fight the SEC. Um, this has been their tone for, you know, since we saw the Defend Crypto campaign launched, uh, since basically they countersued the SEC, since the SEC sued them. Um, from Fred Wilson, a prominent investor in Kick, uh, and so so some people kind of took this at face value, right? So uh, Crypto Man ran over here says Kick the messenger app is shutting down. Company will now focus all the efforts on Kin the cryptocurrency, cutting staff down from 100 to 19. Why? To have sufficient resources to fight the SEC. Very sad. So obviously a lot of folks weren't really buying this particular explanation, right? Um, and you can just go through this thread here. Uh, so Udi again, he says, um, no, Kick is cutting staff because it's a failure of a messenger app with a failure of a shitcoin, which got itself into trouble by selling an unregistered security. It's unfortunate that employees and retail investors have to pay the price, but that's not the SEC's fault. So um, that's kind of the the other end of the extreme of the interpretation. So um, and then then you have over here, uh, I thought this is a, a pretty hot take that I think is kind of right on. Um, Max Chafkin. Uh, says, this is sort of wild. Successful app basically ran itself into the ground after a big ICO. Um, so I have kind of two thoughts. Uh, and and the, let's, so put a pin in that one. The idea that the successful app basically ran itself into the ground after an ICO. Um, so first thing, let's talk about just Kick's place in an involvement in the crypto world in general. This has been weird AF from the beginning. I said that today in exactly those terms on Twitter. Um, like, one, they kind of like popped in at a very weird time, way past Kick's uh, kind of um, prominence and raised a huge amount of money. And then like within weeks, we're trashing the whole space uh, on record in, in different uh, settings. Uh, and then they created this dramatic defend crypto campaign where they tried to kind of assume the mantle of victim. Um, and, you know, when I asked viewers like you guys and listeners about what your what you thought about Kick's Defend Crypto campaign, um, there were some people who were, you know, sympathetic to the idea of, of wanting the SEC to be clear, but at the same time, really uncomfortable with the idea of Kick as some kind of standard bearer. Now, this has all got sort of buried because Libra came out and, uh, you know, all of our ire in the Messenger app goes crypto world could turn over to Zuckerberg, but um, it was weird, right? And now this shutdown, like, again, it's, it's this screaming, hollering that it's because the SEC and, you know, they have to fight the SEC and stuff. It's just weird. And so I guess the thing that I want to talk about, let's go back to this idea. Uh, again, the successful app basically ran itself into the ground after a big ICO. I think it's at least reasonable to think that perhaps the story is reversed, right? So uh, Kick was for a time a very popular kind of beloved messenger app, right? Like you can see uh, it got up over 100 million monthly active users. Um, so this is a chart from uh, from BI, um, from Business Insider, uh, from basically 2011 to 2015. You can see that Kick did get all the way up to just kind of, uh, I mean, at this time, I guess it was a little under 100, but it eventually would top 100 million users. Um, that's huge. That's a huge uh, success by any standard, except for the fact that it was um, basically totally buried by the competition, right? So uh, you have WhatsApp, which had a billion users, Facebook Messenger, which eventually had a billion users. I mean, and this is in 2015, just on this chart. You had WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, WeChat, Viber, Line, Snapchat, and Tango, all of which uh, had bigger audiences even in 2015 um, than Kick, right?
You also, uh, if you jump way ahead, let's look at where Kick is now. Uh, in March of 2019, by by monthly active users in the U.S., you have Facebook Messenger as uh, as way ahead with 108 million monthly active users. You have Snapchat at about half of that, 50. Um, you don't have Instagram on here, which is uh, silly because Instagram Messenger is obviously such a huge thing. WhatsApp at 24, Messenger by Google at 16, Google Hangouts at 15, Discord at 12 and a half, uh, GroupMe at 11, Skype at at seven, and then Kick at six and a half. Right, so Discord at this point has basically double the monthly active users of Kick, and is just sort of still coming up right now. Google Hangouts has, you know, almost three times the monthly active users. Um, Kick died way long ago, and this is the reality of uh, network effects: is that they can be living long after they are dead. Right, you can be a, a messenger zombie, you can be a network zombie. And obviously this is the case inside these crypto asset networks too. There's a lot of crypto zombies floating around. Um, but to me, what it always felt like, and again, I don't have any privileged information, I don't know for sure, so this is rampant speculation, and you can write it off if you want, uh, is that Kick went all in on this crypto ICO because it was the best available fundraising to them uh, because they had lost the messenger wars, right? They had lost, there was no coming back from where they were. Um, the best that they could do was try to innovate in new ways to do something different, but there weren't uh, other sources of funding or certainly other sources of funding on terms that they wanted, so they turned to retail. Um, and that's what the ICO movement allowed them to do, uh, is turn to a different type of investor who is hoping for a very different type of pop uh, really fast rather than traditional venture and private equity investors. Um, I think that the, the, the fact that like, they're not in Hail Mary now, the Hail Mary was the ICO in the first place. That was their chance to uh, make the app work and do something different. Um, and now they're just trying to hold off burn for as long as they can, right? They've reduced their burn by 85% and whatever, they'll they'll go build. And maybe they build something really interesting, but um, you know they've lost the, the big asset that they had, which was their huge install base. Uh, so to me, I think that the, the narrative idea of somehow um, the ICO itself killed the app is backwards. I think that the app had one big Hail Mary pass left to go and it chose the ICO route. It didn't work, um, or at least it hasn't yet. Uh, so I don't know, I, I never like to speak disparagingly. I'm sure that there's a ton of great people at um, you know, the Kick and at the Kin Foundation. Uh, I wish them as individuals like nothing, nothing but well, um, and I'm all for free markets. And so if they turn this around, I'll be the first to cover it as something great. However, um, I think that it's a, it's a weird, just it's been a weird thing from, from the get go. Um, and uh, whatever, right? All right, let's go on to number three and finish this off for the day. So number three. Um, so last week we heard that the SEC was going to testify before Congress. Uh, and uh, and basically it was kind of a full reporting. All five commissioners were going to be there. So obviously those of us in the crypto space, what we were really interested in was the um, the, the potential uh, new nuggets from the crypto space. And so um, what actually happened? Well, a couple things. Um, first, uh, big uh, applause to Nick over at... Uh, Coindesk for for live streaming it or live tweeting it, excuse me, it was live streamed, um, but he did a, a hell of a job live tweeting everything, uh, all five 
you know, people's testimony and whatever, really highlighting um, both the crypto details, but also kind of the big details from the other area. I think a few things, uh, uh, just a few little reflections, and this will be a fast one. Um, first, uh, it was pretty clear that the crypto was only one piece of what was going on. There was a lot of other, uh, a lot of other topics, a lot of other focus on conversation. Um, and uh, and so, so just, it was a useful reminder that the SEC is dealing with a huge number of things. And although our world may intersect with them specifically around crypto, uh, that's not necessarily where their focus is on any given day. So that was one thing. A second thing, which I think was notable, is that you really didn't, you're starting to see just like everyone has their book uh, and they talk it the same way every time. And um, we we kind of just had more of that, right? So uh, you had uh, Clayton, Chairman Clayton, who more or less was unwilling to commit to anything uh, that we didn't already know or, or say anything different than he's ever already said, uh, but came back to the idea that I ICOs didn't really follow the SEC process uh, and everyone needs to follow the SEC securities law process, right? So again, nothing new there. Um, you had uh, the members of Congress who we've seen before um, speak a similar book, right? So you had uh, um, Representative Warren from Ohio who... Uh, basically was, uh, you know, is really big on the Token Taxonomy Act, and he brought that up and tried to kind of push for that. Uh, you had uh, Brad Sherman, who's obviously extraordinarily antagonistic, basically saying that the only people who use cryptocurrencies are uh, tax evaders, money launderers, terrorists, and so everything should just be stopped. Um, and that, you know, the people who love cryptocurrency are people who want the US dollar to die. So again, nothing new, uh, exact same. Use your five minutes or whatever for, uh, for the soapbox. God bless. Um, and then you had Hester Pierce, Crypto Mom, who we talked about uh, on uh, Long Read Sunday this week. Um, and she said, uh, you know, we have work to do. So this is uh, from, from Nick. He says, um, this is a quote from her. I would like us to see a bit, like to see us be a bit more forward thinking. Uh, says she'd like to see the SEC think about creating a safe harbor for utility tokens as security laws don't really address it. Um, and so I think that this is something that we've seen a lot is this idea of, you know, if the SEC isn't going to provide guidance, and in fact, I think in another spot, Hester Pierce actually said, um, enforcement isn't a good way to provide guidance, which I, I like a lot. I think that that's very true. Um, create safe spaces for people to experiment, right? People who are want to do different things, want to take advantage of these new technologies, but who want to be in compliance, that's a great use for uh, basically safe harbors where people can try things out, right? It doesn't mean that you have to change the official policy. It means that you give um, people who are acting in good faith a chance to do things. So that's a, a message that I wish was more resonant. Um, I don't think that it requires a total revision of U.S. securities law. It doesn't even require an intention to totally rewrite it. It doesn't require a new uh, body, a new authority to create safe harbors where people can experiment, right? Um, and there's models for this. You're seeing it in places like Wyoming. You're seeing it in places like South Korea, where they're creating this space for experimentation. So uh, anyways, long story short on the SEC, I don't think we really learned anything new. Uh, I think that the, the lines have been where they are for a long time. Um, and I guess what this means is, uh, you know, probably continued um, continued questions for crypto companies about whether they really want to be domiciled here. Uh, more and more bills for lawyers who get to provide expensive interpretation of existing law and give crypto companies a you know a, a, an informed and expensive opinion about whether it works. Um, so you know, un unfortunately, ultimately, this was kind of a nothing burger. Um, but we'll keep watching. Uh, oh, and I guess the last thing to say uh, before I wrap up is that it's very clear still that Libra is top of mind, right? 
I would say that the, the majority of the commentary that I heard or the questions had to do with Libra more than the rest of the cryptocurrency industry. Um, it clearly has, uh, is, is still top of mind. So um, again, still nothing new. So um, anyways, that's the three at three for today. Uh, pretty interesting one, lots going on. Um, kind of a weird vibe right now, uh, which it always is, especially if the, the price rocks a little bit. So anyways, guys, I uh, hope you enjoyed. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And I will see you tomorrow. Peace.